0: Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. We record on Halloween 2022 after a true mentis horribis for the United Kingdom and a truly terrifying few months for the United Kingdom government, all of them. Joining us to review the events of the last few weeks and to look ahead to coming events is one of the original friends of the pod, Mark Cooper, Vale of Morgan applied to Cymru councillor and project lead for Bank of Cambria, who is avoiding Elon's excesses and is famously still not on Twitter. Hello, Mark. Hey Matt, how are you? Very well. We are also joined by Richard Martin, coming from the uh, bright lights of a car park in Bristol. Glamour, Uh, glamour, always glamorous. (laughs) Cheers, chaps. Um, Mark, what has your assessment been of the last, well, I suppose month, but month and a half? The whole ensuing chaos over the summer?
1: Well, I don't think it's finished, so I think that's a starting point. I think we're in a period of just chaos, continuing... I think where we are now is we've got a supposedly a a government of sensible, you know, that's kept the market happy, I think. So you've got Sunak who's going to unleash, I think, what will be austerity 2.0 that's going to rip the heart out of public services, completely wreck the economy and change everything, you know, take even things further back. But I think there's, you know, there's some lessons in there. You look at it and you think you had a, whether, you know, she was elected by us or just selected by, the selectoria to the Tory to the Tory Party. We had a somebody who was in power who wanted to do something, who you could argue had an electoral mandate to do it, and we could argue that. And essentially, the Bank of England and the market stopped her. And I think there's something in there that is really quite deeply disturbing because we didn't vote for those people, and they've they've stopped things and they've changed the course of the political economy. Now, I think. She and Kua Tang would have taken it down a very dark place, but still, you know, the, arguably they had they were elected. So I think it's weird. I think it's you know, all sorts of stuff going on.
0: I mean, one of the most interesting things that's happening at the moment—that's before we get anywhere near the the, the sort of electoral politics or, or is everything that's going on with Sue Heather Braverman. It seems to be less of a chance of her having a, a long-term political future. with every day,
1: I, d- I don't know though. I, th- these are the sorts of things that I, I can see her surviving so as we speak. She's standing up in the House of Commons using. Words like "we're going to defeat the swarm of migrants that are, are hitting the south coast." You know the language she's using is is, is something probably a decade ago would have caused all manner of um, problems, and now we just accept it. You know today's the world at one on Radio Four. The person they spoke to, tell us your view on the on the migrant crisis, Nigel Farage. We have not learned at all, I don't think, in terms of the the of these things. I, I think Braverman will. Stick it out. I think she's quite important for Sunak's coalition, which is pretty weak, I think. But um, I think she'll stay.
0: Like you said about the markets, though, Mark, it's very interesting that if she is forced out, it's likely to be procedural. And the fact that she's used her emails incorrectly rather than the way she runs the home office and you know, with a terrorist attack on home office facilities this week. You know, it, it seems strange that it'll be a procedural thing that gets her rather than a policy thing.
1: Yeah, but I think she's I think she's she's won that battle though. So she's gone once for those reasons. Now it's all coming out that this was a regular occurrence that she used to just send a you you know you can just sense you think it's nuts, isn't it? And then you've got you know Tress's phone being compromised by a, a third you know another country's investor, you know, it's spies from another country. It's mad, you know, where are these things going? I just I look at it and you think to yourself, when we look back and write the history books the uk failed in these years that we're talking about now and it just gets more and more extreme and the weird thing is because we're in it and we're living it we probably don't don't understand just how gigantic these things are you know she was foreign secretary and she was her phone was compromised her whatsapp messages which are going to be full of stuff that will be of interest to a foreign power compromised it's mad i
0: mean if you also want a little laugh um, there was a Oh, yeah, you know, we not should laugh about horrific situations, this. But the um the Sunday Times had a serialisation of her trips when International Trade Secretary, which is definitely worth a, a read, basically her obsession with just getting the perfect photo rather than having the perfect policy to, to sell the UK abroad. But we've had, enough, we've had enough of a bit of a moan there. Now Sunak is in, we have seen an uptick for the Conservatives in the polls. Do you think that They've almost got away with the economic chaos they've they've caused. Do you think that you could see a future where the Conservatives do win the next general election?
1: I can clearly see something where Labour don't win. Uh, that's a different question. I think the Tories should, to get another. I think they've done so much damage in the last period. It, Johnson's part of it as well. So I don't think this is a this isn't this hasn't happened overnight. And Tress wasn't the person who can be solely responsible for it. However, I think to recover this now to be in a position where they could gain a majority in a general election in you know, early 25 or whatever. It's going to be late 24 uh, like is it's for the birds. However, I think that you look at the performance polling performance of things like the Lib Dems in the Southwest, that's they're not taking enough Tory seats by the looks of things to do the, the full damage. And I think, you know, Scotland is done for labour and they would need it. And I, I think that's where interesting stuff then starts. You know, what would be the what would Sturgeon demand from a a deal with Starmer. She's clearly said that she would wa- rather work with Starmer than the Tories. She said she despises the Tories. You know, so that's, there is a ground for manoeuvre and that probably is, isn't where Starmer wants to be.
0: Uh, we can all just see those, uh, Ed Miller Band in Alex Salmond's pocket things again, tell me. Rich, I'm going to bring you in from uh, sunny Bristol. What's your assessment of it all been?
2: I'm going to throw it back at Mark uh, mostly so that you don't have to listen to the terrible rain uh, that's beating on my car roof right now. Mark lives in one of the parliamentary homelands for the Conservatives in Wales, in the Vale of Glamorgan. I think it's one of those seats that will tell us whether there will be a Conservative or Labour UK government in the next general election. And I'm just wondering what, if anything, you've seen on the ground in the Vale of Glamorgan about whether the really serious mismanagement at the top of the UK government over the last few months has had any effect on the kind of people that you live in your constituency i'm kind of curious about that because i live in the ronda uh, or the foot of the ronda i'm not allowed to say the are calvin will tell me if i say ponderpreeze in the ronda i live in potterpreeze so you know it's not something that we would ever have to think twice about but i'm you you live in the Vale. tell us what, what's happening in the Vale, mark so so I, I think
1: ken's will find it impossible to win the Vale next time round. um i think his political career is finished as an mp i think that the veil is going to probably go back to be one of those more marginal seats that it, um, always used to be. Um, you know, Ken's has managed to he benefited from Corbyn and the anti-Corbyn vote last time around. I don't think he won it positively. I think there's a, when I, the casework that I'm doing in my ward, which is a historically used to be a conservative ward and um, been applied ward for 27, 28 years now, but You know, there's a lot of latent conservatives there. And I think there's a lot of people who are seeing this as just a mess. Now, I don't think they'll necessarily jump to Labour. So, and I think that if you were to use, and I don't think it's a barometer, the veil isn't a barometer for elsewhere. But I think, you know, whereas Labour could win the seat, I don't think they'll do it by being, you know, having this huge endorsement of this is the figure who's changed things. And I don't think they necessarily see Starmer is being that either you know he's not connecting and it is a whether we like it or not we have a presidential style of politics in the UK and it'll be a Starmer um it'll be a star, and whoever I was going to say Sunak, but you know who knows really it could be we could be in different territory in a few weeks time you know but it'll be a it'll be presidential and that's the issue
2: yeah Starmer Michael Fabricant uh, head-to-head sounds great in the next general election <laughs> you've got to be honest if you had somebody with Fabricant's hair. He deserves to win just for having that hair and being
1: prepared to put it out there. It's um, it's just mad, isn't it? It's mad. Uh, I, I'm as a middle-aged
2: man. I'm not going to mock anyone else's hair. Sorry. Zip. I'm not saying anything.
0: <laughs> one, one very interesting thing for Wales. There's lots of very interesting things for Wales. So one of the more interesting things for Wales, perhaps, is the fact that we knew we now have a another new secretary of state. What kind of impact do you think having David T. C. Davis in that job rather than Robert Buckland will have? I, I think
1: having a welsh mp is important so i think that's the right move and the right thing to have done i think david tc davis is to a large extent his own you know his own person so i think he has his own deeply held views most of which if not all i don't think i'd subscribe to but they're clearly you know he wears what he thinks clearly and prepared to say i was reading an article the other day from will haywood from the um, wales online and one of the things that he was Talking about, he said. Thing he likes about TC Davis is that he'll he'll say, "Yes, I said that, and this is why I said it." And I think that I think that's so okay. You know, he's to the right. I think of where started. You know, on on a number of issues on society, social issues. From where I don't think Star, uh, I don't think Sunak cares about. I don't think he's on a social scale. I think his scale is just right of right wing economic scale, and everything else doesn't really matter. Whereas I think people like David TC Davis, you know, is it? I remember, you know when he wanted to get migrant children to have their teeth measured to see how old they were when they, he thought there were two people coming in and they weren't, they weren't children, they were, they were young adults trying to get into the country. You know, he's abused that, you know, Monmouthshire, you know, you've talked to, Rich talked about the veil being up for grabs. Well, um, Labour just won the council in Monmouthshire for the first time forever. Surely they must be thinking that that's another one that's in play again. So whether T.C. Davis
2: survives the next cull I don't know. Matt, I'll throw this over to you in a second, but I just want to make a comment on the the question of the Welsh secretary. I think we've not fully moved on in Wales. There were a lot of interviews with David T.C. Davis on his appointment on a number of our public service broadcasters, asking him what kind of decisions he might make as Welsh secretary um, in the coming parliamentary term. And I couldn't help but think to myself, does the Welsh secretary actually have any decision-making capacity at all? Because as far as I'm aware, apart from nudge quotient in... Dispersing local, I can't remember what it's called, not shared prosperity funding. Levelling up funding. Levelling up funding. I mean, apart from some minor diplomatic role, they don't take any actual decisions. And I, I was thinking, you know, fundamentally, you could have anyone or no one as Welsh Secretary, and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference towards the economic life of the majority of people in Wales or, you know, any public service that is delivered in Wales. And I feel a little bit more that instead of... Being obsessed about who takes the role of Welsh Secretary, we would be better off looking at what the relationship is like between the Welsh Finance Minister and the Treasury, or the Health Secretary in England, the Health Secretary in Wales. It just feels like a much more salient connection there, because you know, if a if, a, an, if a Health Secretary in England manages to get the Treasury to protect the health sector from the health service from you know the worst or all of the cuts that are coming down the road. Then actually, that has a huge impact on Wales. Whereas, like I say, you could appoint Mr. Blobby to Welsh Secretary, and uh, or, or Barack Obama to Welsh Secretary, which would be great for ratings, um, but uh, it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to actual delivery of public services on the ground. What do you think? Your, your, your I point? would. Have
0: I mean, for one, I would absolutely love to see Mr. Blobby as uh, as Welsh Secretary, as someone who, as a child, went to uh, his uh, Mr. Blobby land, Be a big fan of that. But no, I think you're you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, it's it's there's anyone who does a quick Google of my name and uh, Secretary of State for Wales will see I wrote an article once co- questioning what the role purpose of the role was. I mean, in the modern day, in the in the, in the devolution era, it has very limited power, but it does have a sort of gubernatorial govern, ambassadorial role. They are essentially the voice of the UK government in Wales although you could argue that whoever is leader of the work, leader of the uh, Conservative Party in the UK and actually prime minister probably has a bigger impact on how people vote in Wales with their reaction to the Conservative Party but again i think you i think you might be underestimating quite how important as the nudge factors are in relation to how money is apportioned towards Wales from the UK government because you've seen for a long time the UK government very keen to spend in in devolved and non-devolved areas in in Wales and Scotland i think that you kind of want someone in that role who can have a very, very cordial, strong relationship with the Welsh Government. I think we've seen in the past where they've enjoyed far too much just butting heads with each other. I think Simon Hart was potentially guilty of that sometimes, just enjoying winding up the Welsh Government. I think you saw with Robert Buckland, someone who had, a, from what I understand, a very good relationship with Mark Rick in his short time in that role. David T.C. Davis may be somewhere in between.
1: Robert Buckland once stood in a... Um... Seat in the Vale of Glamorgan in Barry, a councillor seat. He was unsuccessful, I understand. So there's a bit of history.
0: Sorry, Matt. He's showing his connection with lots of different parts of Wales there, Ma. But no, I think it's interesting. I mean, there's been lots written about uh, David T.C. Davis's political views and how they've changed over the year, whether they've changed at all. But I think that fundamentally, he's, he, he, I think, from my understanding of him, he tries to play things with a fairly straight back. He'll try and explain things honestly from his perspective he's a bit of a strong-willed character in committee sessions he's always one there very much willing to fight the uk government's corner and you've seen that in he did a public accounts committee recently uh, in the senate he did uh, a welsh fair select committee uh, session basically on european replacement eu funding um recently as well and gave very much the same sort of answers I, i think it's very clear that they want to spend in devolved areas i think it's very clear that he's going to have a significant role to play in future energy security for wales and potentially the future of uh, new nuclear in Wales, going to battle with the Welsh government on roads, I can see as being a big potential topic for the future. So all these things, as, as, as insignificant as the role may sometimes feel in a post-evolution era, I think that you've got to consider that the way that the muscular unionism of the UK government operates, it might have quite a significant role now just in the sort of interplay that that person can have and the relationship that person can have with the Welsh government because they can, get, they can get caveats out of there. Whether you like the Freeport's policy or not, I think you've seen that when the Welsh government can work with the UK government, they get something that they think is a better deal rather than just the UK government imposing these things on Wales, which, given the unionism they've exhibited in the past, is not beyond the realms of possibility. Uh,
2: I, I don't want to look too far ahead, and I certainly don't think it's a, it's a guarantee, but one of the interesting things that I have observed since uh, the new new Conservative government came in Westminster is that a lot of the MPs, uh, Labour MPs with Welsh constituencies and the Labour members of the Senate have been attacking the, um, the the new government on certain things and you know the the five billion from HS2 is one of them and I just wonder if the almost kind of backing themselves into a little bit of corner where they'll have to honour those if they, if the Labour Party then does become the next UK government. Because if they spend too long attacking Conservatives on some of these specific issues, and these charges have been levelled against all of the Welsh secretaries we've had recently, then if the Labour Party then doesn't enact them when, if and when it becomes the next UK government, then they're going to be in very difficult political trouble in Wales. And I just wonder what the agenda for a Labour government might be forced into doing with regards to Wales in the future based on the attacks they levied at the UK governments recently, the Conservative UK governments. Do you think that, do you think that Labour would uh, honour that £5 billion?
0: This is This is an impossible question. And this is not me being party political. I think that's just the reality of the situation. I think if you look at the fact that the Welsh government's budget is now going to be, what, sort of £4 billion less than it would otherwise have been because of the economic turmoil in the UK, you just don't know what situation the next Labour government, whenever that government gets into power will be you'd like to see you'd like to think they'd be able to uh, spend more and you'd see more in the way of Barnett consequentials but we just don't know i mean i think there's a legitimate question now of whether the welsh government actually starts to use its own tax powers and becomes a bit more of a mature economic democracy and it starts to say that you know if the uk government's not willing to give us this money we're going to try, try and raise some of it ourselves but mark may have more in a uh, feeling on how the welsh government should be using its tax powers
1: <laughs> We're stuck in a between a rut and a heart play zombie so I think you've got a situation where I'm not sure Wales features in Labour's, UK Labour's thinking at the moment they're just a guaranteed X number of seats that gets them further over the line. I don't think it's something that's central to their policy thinking. I don't think they think party, you know, you know this better than I would Matt. but I don't think their party's um, wild enough to start to call more shots and i think they should but um and i think we're, we're in a very difficult time where and it probably shows and it's the same thing you know if you look at you starve the nhs of resources and people would want to go private i think you starve the devolved um, governments of resources then people will start to question what's the point of devolved government so it'll become more and more difficult to achieve things that are going to happen and i think going back to um the points you you two were talking about earlier do we have a Welsh secretary who's there to bat for the Welsh government and for those resources, and I don't think we do. He, he may well give us straight back to things, perhaps, I don't know. But I think it's, you know, he's the UK government's um, ambassador to Wales quite clearly, and that's that's the position he wants to play. I do think, um, I don't labour, on an economic perspective though, what I'm starting to not see sufficiently, and this is probably because of the Labour front bench, UK Labour French bench team. I don't think there's a huge difference between the, the stall that they're setting out and what Sunak wants to do. You know, this is about very boring managerial economics, keeping the Bank of England steady. So you've got a situation and that in effect straight jackets Wales. So they're, you know, not dis- in a dissimilar way to when Brown took over, um, when he was Chancellor Brown and Blair took over and they said, we're going to stick with the Tory spending commitments for X number of years, I can't remember how many years it was. Now I think we're in this, they're they're straitjacketed themselves into the same space, which which should be hugely worrying
0: for people. I'm going to change the topic quickly, just because I think that one of the biggest bits of Welsh news, or at least Wales that featured in the news, was um, Mark Drakeford's anger, in first minister's questions a few weeks ago, in after questioning from Andrew Artie Davis on the NHS, what was your immediate response to that? Mark mark has since uh, spoken to I think the i paper um,
2: to say that he was angry with himself for his outburst. He was obviously rubbed the wrong way by Andrew Artie's phrasing, but I think actually the questions that Andrew Artie Davis was raising. In general were very pertinent ones and i think that mark drakeford's response was one more of anger of impotence and being unable to or unwilling to do the really really difficult things to try and change the system i mean frankly the Welsh government is in a position where it cannot fundamentally change the provision of the nhs without without either significantly redrawing its relationship with the funding that comes from westminster or you know, doing what I think they considered the unthinkable, which is to raise taxes in Wales. But I, I actually thought that I mean the substance of the questions from Andrew R.T. Davis were absolutely spot on because just that evening or that day, we'd been following a story that had been on Welsh Twitter of some poor soul on a rugby pitch that had been lying on a cold, raining rugby pitch for something like 10 or 15 hours to get an ambulance to go to AE. And it was absolutely horrific. And The idea that Labour as the party of the NHS could be overseeing an NHS that is struggling as badly as it is in Wales right now must be eating at the core of what Mark Drakeford sees as his mission as First Minister of Wales. Have you got something better and more succinct to say than I have, Mark? (laughs) Not not
1: really. Um, But I would say I think that people want their politicians to have passion, want them to see them care, want to see that they can get angry and upset. So I think there was a... I don't think this was you know, I don't think this was something that he tried to do in any way, but I think it was something that was quite successful. I think if you were to ask people what do you think about that, well, I'm glad my first minister is standing up uh, for things. So I think the output and the the outcome for it from his perspective worked okay. I completely agree with you. The points, the, the salient points, the NHS in Wales isn't wor- It's not doing what it should be doing, you know. So there's massive issues there. But, you know, the theatre, we don't often get enough theatre out of the centre, Then I think sometimes it's good to have it. He was The reason this clearly wasn't planned, though, because the emotion was very real, wasn't it? You know, his voice was cracking during it. You just picked up that he really did. He was upset, so I'm not surprised that he said he was um, upset with himself on it. But, you know, you want to see some people see... You want to know that they care um, sometimes, and I think at a very superficial level, that kind of carried. I mean, You're he's been... Under-
0: He's been
2: under- Oh, sorry. Richard's shaking his head. Yeah. He was
1: shaking his head. I could see him. It's either that or the fireworks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just a big supporter of boring, Teutonic-efficient legislation in a really dull, technocratic parliament. That's what I would like to see. I, I would, I would farther, far rather be at that end of the spectrum than the theatre that we see in Westminster and, and the US Senate and such. I, I'm, I'm just not... I think... I can't remember what the description is, but there are two two theories of what parliaments should be there to do, one of which is the, the political theatre, primarily, and the other is functional, efficient government and legislating, and, and I, I, I would far rather have the latter than the former, but that's a personal preference. But at the backdrop of that, sorry, Matt, before you come back, I think the backdrop was you've got
1: UK government in chaos at this, the starting conversation of our conversation. So you've got that happening, very real, and he's saying, you're criticising me, and look at you lot, you're all, you're all over the place. So I think he was... The incredulity, which then sums up, and I think you're right that Andrew R.T. Davis managed to be able to get things in that did you know, prick at him and did make him go, actually, that, that did upset me in the way you were doing it. Because it was almost as if you don't care, First Minister. And I think that is potentially wrong as well and the reason that he got um, aerated. But, you know, I, I think it worked. If you were to say who's the winner and who's the loser out of that, there was a reason that Andrew R.T. Davis, the next day, tried to have to explain his question to an audience um, as well, so we put out a short video saying, "This is what I was talking about," because it clearly uh, he lost that argument in the in the
0: wider sphere. I think. Yeah, he definitely lost the comms war on that, didn't he? Even if he didn't lose the the policy argument, but I think actually that it's interesting because for so much of it, I think that there is a, a genuine anger on Mark's part for what he perceives as happening to Wales. As we said, the significant decrease in funding that the Wales, Welsh government's going to have. But I do also think there's an element of this, which is him knowing that he has promised to stand down before too long. Many people thinking that's going to be next March. He announces his uh, resignation. Is this a Mark Drakeford that is concerned about his legacy and him not wanting his legacy to be over significant cuts to the Welsh NHS when, you know, for an NHS that is underperforming, You know whether that is due to COVID or not? I'll leave that up to everyone else's views but i think there is an element of him that is seriously concerned that he he doesn't want to be the first minister that is seen to have to cut public services to the bone even further even if he can pin it on a conservative government's decisions
1: it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall in there in cabinet meetings wouldn't it and to see whether or not he's still controlling that cabinet and running that cabinet as as one or are you starting to see some of the challenges already coming out forget about You know, this is one of the things that I think he had during COVID and then the post-COVID period is that he was Labour, he was Welsh Labour, and I think he was, you know, could claim legitimately that he won the the Senate campaign and in Wales the 2019 um, general elections. A lot of that could be, you would say, is contentious, and and even the local elections that we've just had now. I think there's still a legacy of that. I wonder whether that. Star is starting to wane, and you're starting to see some of these tensions coming out. That'll be the interesting thing. Whether there's any tensions there, and you know, I don't know because I, I don't know the guy. And um, I, I wonder whether he, how he would cope with that sort, those sort of challenges coming up. Is he, is he somebody who would be, listen, this is my way. You're going to do it that way, and be very strong. Or would you rather build, you know, continue to build that rapport but maintain the strength? I don't know. I think that's fascinating. And if, you know, some of the people who are vying for that place on the in his seat in a in a however long period of time, you know, they're going to be starting to think, actually, this is the way I want to take Wales, and it may be different to him.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting question just in general, it's like just purely in time terms, because there's no massive secret that the – contest has already begun in earnest within Labour for to be the next First Minister. But that does not mean that there's not significant parts of both the Senedd group and also the party machinery in Wales that can see the benefit of having the most popular politician in Wales' Wales's history lead Welsh Labour into the next general election. And there's a lot of people I know in the party machinery who are very keen to have Mark be First Minister and to lead that Welsh general election campaign. So whether he's convinced by that, and stays on for a few more years maybe he'd be the kind of person who wants to sort a little bit under a late uk labor government in order to be able to spend a bit more money but i i just don't think so i think he said he wanted to go by the time he was 70 that would be next summer so i think he will just go he'll announce his retirement i think in in march and and, and stand down and let someone else have a, a decent run at it before the coalition uh, sorry cooperation agreement runs out i just i just think that's inevitable but i think you're right mark it is a real interesting question of just with all these different pressures you could see the kind of different ways that each potential candidate could maybe want to run Wales in the midst of an economic crisis and whether he just started thinking I'm the best person to do this I've led Wales through one crisis I can lead them through another or whether he thinks that it's time for someone else to to have a proper pop at it it's an interesting one
1: but I think this crisis that we're about to come into is going to be deeper More long lasting than the COVID crisis that we've had. I think you look at the um, stuff that um, Andrew Morgan's been talking about this week about the impact on local authorities. We've started to see some views on what's going to happen in the Vale Council as well, and they're quite. Although you know the settlements aren't finished yet, the mood music is really clear that this is going to be tough, and it will be tough for a number of years after. And I think this just changes things massively. I don't think. We're on trick or treat at the moment, and we've got all the plastic, all the bling, all the you know. People still trying to enjoy it. this could turn sour, really quite quickly at the moment. People could still get a job, you know, as that starts to change. You know, it's it's serious stuff. I I worry. I think the UK is in a in, in a spiral of decline. Like you know, I, I would say that one night. Um, that's the narrative, but I think it it, it clearly is and the economic decline will be will be super fast, I think. And the, the point that Drakeford continually makes about saying that the UK is an insurance policy is already shown to be just path. And I think we're gonna see that, and we've already seen it with the way that TC Davis has spoken, but we can see it in the way that the local authorities are having to deal with reduced budgets and that sort of thing. This is gonna be really sharp and hurt
2: a lot of people. So yeah, worrying times. While Mark was uh, reaching his peroration there, I was uh, I I was desperately trying to think about how I can subtly move this on to another subject. And then you mentioned the cooperation agreement. And I thought to myself, hang on, we've got a Plaid Cymru councillor here on the call. And Plaid Cymru's conference took place just at peak UK madness in October. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder if we could ask Mark how he feels that Plaid Cymru conference and Plaid Cymru is doing in general not only at local level, uh, which is very important, but also the national level and with regards to cooperation agreement. Hospital
1: pass, I didn't go to conference. So I had, um, we were with our grandchildren. She had more important things to, I would argue, than uh, than going to conference. However, I did watch what was going on. You look at it, they're just crowded out at the moment. They've got the messaging was crowded out The However good, bad or indifferent the speeches have been, they wouldn't have, got any airtime you know we've got a media that's just well we consume our media from england you've had that you've talked about this enough so messages struggle to get out there i think that um there will come a point where saying continually saying we got school meals for children will will lose its luster and there needs to be more that needs to come through that's, that we can, that Plaid can say, this is our impact on government, but which then brings you to actually, how do you start to build up a a, a prospectus for the next Senate elections on the basis of a um, reduced settlement, on a basis of tightening budgets, on a basis of wanting to change Wales, on a basis of wanting to create space for an independent Wales, how do you start to have those bigger conversations and I think that, you know, we're starting to see some of those things come in, but it needs to be, in my view, you know, one of the things that it worries me that the Constitutional Commission has, has spent a lot of time talking about is to add back the fiscal deficit that Wales has got. Yet no one's actually said, what, sh- what should a government be? We're, if we want to start a new country, we, should be start- we shouldn't take where we are and, and say, well, we can you know, save a bit of money on Trident, save a bit of money on HS2. We should be saying, you know, what should a modern, progressive country be and how much should that cost and how would you fund it? And it feels as though those are big conversations we need to do. But the, on a political level, we need to be winning in places like I am. We need to be running councils in the Vale. We need to be winning seats that we lost to Labour this time round. We need to be winning seats from the Conservatives. You know, we need to be winning seats in Pontiprid. We need to be winning seats in the Ronda. You know, where how does Clyde get back to being those things? And it that's a and ask that I
0: don't think there are answers for today. Well, I was just going to say I was at Blackburn Conference with a different hat on, and it, it felt a little flat. It felt like the party has got the cooperation agreement and is trying to deliver as much of that as possible, but they feel almost weirdly constrained by that, and that they're in this weird halfway house where they can play opposition, but they can't really influence too much beyond the scope of the cooperation agreement. But they've got very tangible wins within that cooperation agreement. But like we've talked about before, and I talked about with Kevin Campbell when he was on the pod a few weeks ago, there's a real danger that Plaid Cymru is just going to lose that air war. And that because it was a Welsh Labour government that put through the free school meals, primary school pupils policy, it'll be them that takes the credit for it. And same with anything that tangible that comes from the cooperation agreement, it'll be delivered by the Welsh Labour government. As much as Plaid Cymru can say, it was us that did that, you know, they voted against that all the time. It was us that made them do that. It doesn't really matter because people care about delivery, and I think that when people see things being delivered by Welsh government, they'll, they'll attribute the, all the benefits to that to the Welsh government. So many, so much of what Plaid's issue is, is that not only do they have to try and find something tangible to go into the next election with, they've got to find something that people that they can really attribute to themselves having delivered this time around. Uh, and I just feel that they're gonna they may gonna struggle with that, especially because of the extra pressure. On the Welsh Government finances, I think that as much as Kevin Campbell talked to us a bit recently about how all this money has been ring fenced with the cooperation agreement, I can see certain bits and pieces getting left behind, especially in the way they're delivered and the speed at which they're delivered because of the financial pressure under the Welsh Government.
1: And the other thing, inflation is eating away at those budgets at a massive scale at the moment. So even if there was a ring fencing of certain budgets, those budgets are worth less than they were a year ago significantly. But I think there's a you know where does the party start to now how how do you position yourself to be a party and, uh, to be a party in the position of power and then you you have to go after the places where you know frankly we're not doing well enough at the moment you know and and i think if our last electoral test was the local council elections we've just seen and i think there was a high watermark because of drakeford because of Welsh. i think that that reached higher but we didn't you know so and i think says there needs to be this scoping now something that, and the opportunity with an enlarged senate and more proportional voting system must be where it's at so you're you know we're, we're saying to people you would no longer have to so let's assume that there's a bunch of people who in the, the first senate of the elections voted applied in such big numbers let's assume that that core may still be around somewhere where you no longer there's no wasted votes now in this next election so if you believe in Plaid and you believe in this vision that we're creating then you can start to take people with you the weird thing is you can say there's no wasted votes apart from all the smaller parties so that the only parties you can win it are just these three so it's no wasted votes between the three how do you craft that message I think is is um is interesting one thing I just uh, I think it is the Green and um, Plaid's work on the on independence on what that could mean I think that's quite interesting. I think there's a lot of things that I've been quite close to some of their policy framework quite a lot. I think things like Universal basic income they've been talking about that forever. Kerry, you know, if if Kerry was here, he'd tell us, we did
2: that 100 years
1: ago or something like that. So and and four day week got past Applied Conference, which, again, is another thing that we share with the Greens in terms of a a policy. So I think there's some stuff that um, will be that'll be interesting to come out of it.
0: Kerry would absolutely have just heard you go four day week and go, that was a bloody green policy load years ago. What you did, what you plied people doing, taking all our policies. But I mean, g- we, this is something we've talked about a number of times the, the new electoral system not necessarily benefiting the Greens. So maybe their best chance of getting their policies in is uh, through Plaid Cymru.
1: That's the point is that this, the way it's been set up, and I think this is a deal that Plaid and Drakeford have been very clear, clever about. This guarantees, I think, a plied Labour duopoly over over welsh politics into the future so Plyde needs to play its part in that and needs to say this is a, a electoral system that suits us how are we going to take you know if um the Vale and Bridgend are ending up working together how would you make it two 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 out of those six seats at the moment it'll be three labor two tory one Plyde. well if you've got an opportunity to be able to grow the vote more and say actually your vote your, your votes aren't wasted you can see what they need to be doing is thinking very cleverly about how you can make those votes all stack up.
0: We shall now turn to the part of the pod where we've moaned a lot about what's happened. We shall now look to the future. Rich, is there anything coming up in the next uh, few weeks or month or so that you would like to highlight to anybody?
2: (laughs) There certainly is, Matthew. But do I have it uh, prepared in front of me at this very moment? No, No, you do not. (laughs) I'm going to van on mic uh, for a while while I play that. Yep. So obviously, I mean, there is the small matter of a World Cup. Uh, We'll come back to that in future pods. And that is going to be both incredibly exciting for Welsh football fans and incredibly depressing for anyone who cares about human rights uh, in the world. But the thing that I just like, you know, one of the things that happens in Wales all the time is that there's loads of great stuff happening. And we just don't know about it, uh, or we can't attend something or various other things. One of the, the organisations that doesn't get talked enough about in Civic Wales, in my humble opinion, is the Honourable Society of the Cymra in um, in London. They do uh, absolutely fantastic events, all of which are available either to be streamed live or to be caught up on demand. And on the 23rd of November, we have an event upcoming called the Rebirth of Welsh Lords, um, an event featuring David Lloyd-Jones, who is the Pontypridd-born and raised uh, Welsh justice on the Supreme Court. And um, it's being chaired by Lord Thomas of Cunggierd, of the now uh, well-known Justice uh, for Wales Commission, Um, And, you know, the the question of Welsh law and devolution of justice to Wales, as it is in Scotland and Northern Ireland and England, obviously, uh, is going to be something that I think is going to be really salient going into the next general election, because all eyes will be on the Labour manifesto. Is the Labour manifesto of 2024 going to be like the Labour manifesto of 2017, written by Welsh Labour, including... A commitment to the establishment of a Welsh jurisdiction, legal jurisdiction, and the devolution of policing and justice, or is it going to be like the Labour manifesto of 2019, that had all of above um, commitments uh, quietly deleted and replaced by some very gentle um, suggestions that they might consider something along the lines of the Lord Thomas report on devolution of justice? So we should all get clued up on what the implications or of, of devolving or not devolving justice to Wales are. And this would be a great event, not only to attend to support the Comrade but also to, um, to learn a bit more about the
0: subject. Thank you very much, Richard. From my perspective, I think we've got a few things coming up in the Senate that are worth keeping an eye on. We should be expecting a Welsh Government response to the UK Government's, well, what will essentially end up being a budget um, as they prepare to announce the Welsh Government budget on the 13th of December. Uh, last week, which is a big thing we didn't get around to talking to in the pod, but we should, probably should have done, uh, we'll get to it in a future pod, I'm sure, very soon, uh, was the announcement on publicly owned energy company, which there's also going to be statements in the next few weeks on uh, just energy policy and energy efficiency of Welsh homes, very important stuff as we head towards the winter, even though it has been unseasonably... Uh, warm for October Uh, there's a climate change episode that Kerry's desperate to do I'm sure about that and of course uh, there will be discussions on the way in which the Welsh government deal with the diplomatic nightmare of Qatar uh, whilst also speaking about the ways in which they can use the boost to Wales's international recognition to boost trade and investment and at this point I think we should probably talk about the World Cup Richard what are your predictions for Wales in the World Cup uh, for Cymru, I
2: think you'll find uh, the team is officially called. Uh, no, yeah, no, yet, no, yet.
0: no, no. I think, I think, I'm
2: going to enjoy every second that we are there. We have a minimum of three games. I will be delighted and somewhat surprised if we have more than three games. If I'm being entirely honest, but I, I'm just, I think that Wales has. Uh, Really, it's really busted through the the ceiling in terms of getting to the World Cup. That is something that I think many people, like myself, uh, thought we'd never see in our lifetime. So, um, yeah, I I, I will savor the minutes we have, but I'm not going to anticipate that we're going to have any more than uh, the group stage. Mark, well, you can't. I don't think you can think any
1: more than what Richard said. To be frank, Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm yeah. When it's finished, that'll be fine too. We shouldn't, Qatar does my, you know, I'm really, really concerned about us giving a. thinking we can influence them from there, won't happen. Um, I also get fed up with people saying this puts Wales on the map and that sort of tosh as well. So that language gets up my nose. I, I'm looking forward to the football. Uh, that's about it.
0: It's, it, you know, I think we almost promised in my head that we'd ended the substantive discussion, but it's probably one to be had, isn't there, about the ethics of attending. I think you've seen Keir Starmer. Indoor credit, so he wouldn't attend no matter what. But Mark Drakeford saying he will. Do you think there's a differentiation to be made there between the leader of a country and the leader of an opposition political party, or do you think they have to take the same stance? They
1: don't have to take the same stance, but I think Mark Drakeford shouldn't be going. So I think he could have made that decision on his own. I don't think he's there. He's not playing. He hasn't got his boots. So you know, no one would miss him when he's there. But him going there, I think, would be um, suggest that we are accepting of some of these. And things and I think that's just it. It, it shouldn't be. It, we shouldn't be having this conversation, should we? we? They shouldn't have got there in the first place. This is a. It's an absolute disgrace that we're
2: even there, and it's yeah, shameful. But there you go. Who who thought that the conversation about Wales finally making it to the World Cup after sixty years could be such a downer to end a pod? Oh, but, you I haven't mean, you haven't
0: asked uh, me about my predictions yet. Oh, go on, there. oh go, go on, oh go on, there, Matt. Me. Go on the I mean, let's hear I mean, your positive. Your predictions. You two were talking about how excited you are. I'm nothing but absolutely terrified. There's nothing like being a Wales fan, watching your team get battered on the international stage to really hurt your heart. Like I'm I'm a big rugby fan as well, and I'm about to watch this weekend as New Zealand put 80 points on Wales at the at the Millennium Stadium. The idea that there's going to be billions of people around the world watch us lose to Iran is causing me nothing but great stress. I have a horrible feeling we will not get for, past the groups. Um, that being said, I think there's the ever so slightly remote chance that we sort of connive our way in, into this, the, the next round, in which case we'll probably play the Dutch, in which case we'll probably be going home very soon. But, you know, I again, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be going myself and I shan't be going um, I'll be hoping above all hopes that um, Wales qualify uh, for the next World Cup in the uh, land of liberty and freedom that is Canada, Mexico and the United States, because um, I think that'll be a bit more fun really. Uh unless anyone has anything else to add, I think we shall wrap for this evening. I wanted to say thank you very much to Mr. Mark Hooper, who is famously not on Twitter, um, for joining us this evening, and to Richard Martin, who is on Twitter, for speaking with us this evening.
1: Twitter's a good thing to look forward to. That's going to explode <laughs> in the next You would think about things. Uh, let, you're gonna say 20 it. quid to be verified, Mark? You're be no, no but, but what I'm but what I'm really pleased, you talked about things to look forward to, I think. Twitter's implosion is something to look forward to. That'll just be because it'll save us a lot of time. The other thing <laughs> is that surely we're going to have a lot of entertainment that still comes from Westminster every single day. So the, the idiots amongst us who love politics, you know, we'll be able to tune in and just see some of the catastrophe coming well away from there. So there you go. Happy days.
0: Thank you, Mark. Mr.
2: Martin? Uh, yep, I'm at Mark J. Hooper. <laughs>
0: Uh, Richard is at Mimosa, Cymru, and I am at Hexter101, 101, H-E-X-T-E-R-101. 101. If you have enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please don't forget to find us on Twitter and Facebook at HereEithPod. Go to our website, www.walespolitics.com, and if you've enjoyed listening and want to support us financially, please feel free to go to www.patreon.com forward slash Thank you for listening to HereEith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.